Welcome to the Salem Fields Community Church Podcast of the Weekly Message. We hope that you find this podcast personally helpful, and we also encourage you to share the subscription link found at salemfields.com podcast with your friends that might be able to use some practical advice and encouragement. Well, we're going to continue our series today. Last week we watched, um, uh, oh, I was going to say Obama, but he wasn't here. We watched Bono and uh, talked about uh, who Jesus is, and so we have another video for you talking about who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In In Him was the life, and that life was the light of man. A good person. A man? Someone who lived a long time ago? He was in the world, and though the world was made made through him, the world did not recognize him. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. He was a nice guy. A man in a book. Doesn't matter. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I thought a lot about it. I go back and forth. Was he the son of God? Yet to all who received him, to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. He is the way. The truth. The life. He's God. My king. My savior. Jesus is. You know, everybody has their opinions and their thoughts on who he is, but one of the cool features, I believe, of the Gospel of John is the way it describes, the way he describes the life and uh, ministry of Jesus. The other Gospels usually tell stories about Jesus. You know, John was the beloved disciple, and he told his stories from a first-hand advantage, and uh, the, um, uh, the other disciples told stories about Jesus. But, you know, uh, when we only hear those stories about Jesus, then uh, like the disciples, we're left to ask, who is this that the wind and the sea obey? Who is this who feeds 5,000 people on a couple loaves of bread and a few fish? But in the Gospel of John, there's never a doubt uh, about who he is, who Jesus is, because he tells us. Usually, he does so with a statement that begins with the words, I am. There are seven I am's in the book of John. But you put Jesus in a situation and he will clarify who he is and what he had come to do. Last week we talked about that he is the resurrection and the life and we talked about the fact that he was at the graveside of Lazarus and he was there because Lazarus had been dead four days and, uh, and so he was connected to the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Now, today we're continuing our series, Hashtag hashtag Jesus, by looking at one of, I believe, one of the most grace-filled, life-changing I Am statements that Jesus ever made. You see, it's found in the book of John, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the world, or to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, how many of you, when you were a kid, 
you grew up and you were, when you grew up as a kid, you were afraid of the dark. Raise your hand. Some of you. How many of you can say as an adult, uh, I'm grown up, but I'm still afraid of the dark? Yeah, some of you. But when I was a kid, uh, we had a Johnny house. Now, how many of you know what a Johnny house is? A couple of you. We had a two-seater. In other words, you know what a two-seater is? A Johnny house is an outdoor bathroom. And a two-seater is a two-seater. And I know some of you grew up more privileged than I did, but uh, we had a two-seater. We had two rolls of toilet paper. But we had a, I'm telling you now more than I want to tell you. Uh, so, so if you had to go poo-poo in the middle of the night, just speaking, just telling you the truth, in the middle of the night, you had to go out to the Johnny house. Now, the Johnny house was about 50 yards from the house. And, and, and you'd have to go out in the dark. And it was dark out there, and monsters lived out there. At least they did when I was growing up. And if you couldn't find a flashlight, you had to go in the dark. And you could just hear the monsters in the bushes and around and, you know. But, it, but if you had a, fa- a flashlight with you, it wasn't nearly as scary. Why? Because a little light would change everything. I mean, all of a sudden, all the darkness was not as scary, and the monsters, it seemed, were scared of the light. Now, in the Bible, God is called light, and and Satan, the devil, is called the prince of darkness. Now, when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, it was a life-changing statement. You see, when Jesus described himself as the light of the world, It followed one of the greatest stories of grace found in the Bible. I am absolutely overwhelmed by this story. It's the greatest story of grace in the Bible. The woman that was caught in adultery. Now today we're going to look at three significant parts to this story. There are three very significant parts. There's the law, there there is the love, and there is the light. Easy to remember. The law, the love, the light. First of all, we're going to look at the law. Now, the law will reveal our guilt. The law will reveal our guilt. John 8, 1 through 4, the Bible says, And as Jesus appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now, in our story... Uh, it's a story of the Pharisees who were a legalistic group of religious men. Call, uh, uh, they caught a couple who were getting it on. Now, when you think about it, though, doesn't it stand to reason that most adulterers, adulterers would shut the blinds and draw the curtains and close the drapes and register under a different name? Now, the scribes and the Pharisees must have been looking pretty hard I mean, it wasn't like probably like they were out in the open. I mean, they probably had to look very hard uh, for to find her, or maybe they just sat her up. Maybe they had, they had sat her up. So they drag this woman out in the streets, and they bring her to Jesus. Now, I've got to ask the question. Where in the world was the man? The last time I checked, it took two people to commit adultery. It takes two people to tango. So, if they caught her, wasn't there a him? And if so, where is he, and why isn't he accountable? 
because we don't see him or hear from him anywhere else in the Bible or in this story. It was a double standard. And it still happens today. There are double standards. Anyway, I'll say that for another day. But it's very likely she may, she may not have had any clothes on. After all, she was caught in the act. So most likely she was nude and, and she was drugged down the street. Now, this has to be the darkest, most humiliating moment of her life. So there she stands with no clothes on in front of Jesus and in front of the whole town. And then as we read in verse 5 and 6, the Bible says, The law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Now what they were saying was, what they were saying was true. This was against the law. And it did require stoning. But it's important to know that the, Jew, the Jewish leaders here in our story had already disregarded the law by arresting the woman without the man. The law required that both parties to adultery be stoned. Now, I, now, now they were to be stoned to death with rocks, not pot. So personally, I can't imagine uh, someone being a part of stoning someone. You see, but taking their authority from the law of Moses, as the hardliners did, uh, they say that researchers say stoning often involved placing the accused person in a hole. And they were standing, and then they would fill the hole with dirt. So only thing that was left, sta or left outside the dirt uh, was the head of the accused, was the only thing above ground. And those holding stones then threw at the head. In other words, the head would be there, and the people with the stones, they would throw rocks at that person's head. Whew! What a terrible situation. So the, so the religious leaders in our story were using the woman as a trap so they could trick him, trick Jesus. If he had said no and, and they would let, and let her off, they would accuse him of violating the law of Moses. If he recommends them to execute her, they would discredit him, they would make him look foolish, and they would report him to the Romans because uh, the Romans did not permit the Jews to carry out their own executions. Now that's just a little background. But I don't want you to miss the point here. I want you to keep the point in mind. The law reveals our guilt. The law reveals our guilt. But we live in a culture that doesn't want to admit our guilt. I mean, we do not want to admit that we were wrong. Uh, and, you know, I live most of my life living in denial uh, and, and not wanting to admit my guilt. We don't like to admit our sin. But in the eyes of God, we are all sinners. The Bible says we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Every one of us are sinners. And we don't like to admit our sin. But in the eyes of God, we're sinners. And the law says this woman was guilty. But the truth of this story is we're all guilty. Each and every one of us. Now let me illustrate by asking you a couple questions um, from the Ten Commandments. How many of you have ever told a lie? Come on, raise them up high because I've played golf and hung out with some of you. <laughs> some of you are still lying. So if you've ever lied, you are a liar, okay? How many of you have ever stolen something? Okay, 
So some of us have. Some of us stole some. So you're a thief. Now, then how many of you have ever looked at the opposite sex lustfully? <laughs> so you're an adulterer, okay? <laughs> Welcome to Salem Field, you bunch of sinners. <laughs> you see, what's the point? The point is, until you admit, until I admit, until we admit that we are sinners and that we are guilty of breaking the law, we will never fully understand or we will never appreciate our need for a Savior. In other words, until we're saying, you know what, I am guilty, I am a sinner, I have broken the law, and until I admit that and I can say that, then I will never, until I do that, I will never fully understand, I will never fully appreciate what Jesus did for me on the cross. And therefore, he'll be just another man that died. The law said the woman is guilty. And the law says we are all guilty. But the good news is love reveals God's grace. Love reveals God's grace. Now look what Jesus did in verse 6. He knows they're trying to trick him. So the Bible says Jesus bent down and he started to write on the ground with his finger. What did he write? I don't know. I don't have a clue. Nor do many of the scholars have a clue. Many scholars, though, uh, believe that maybe he could have been possibly writing down the sins of all the men who drugged this woman out of the... Uh, out of the bedroom or wherever they were at, the hotel room, wherever, and, and that, that he was writing down all the sins of the men that were holding the stones. Verse 7 says, When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any of one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Now, in the Greek, the word translated without sin, it doesn't just mean without sin. It not only means without sin, but it also means it means without even wanting to sin. In other words, what the law, what that the Greek was saying, and what Jesus was saying is that if you were without sin and you've never sinned, but beyond that, you never even wanted to sin. See, it's not just focusing on our behavior outwardly, but it's focusing on our inward heart. It's focusing on our inward heart. In other words, Jesus was saying, hey, you who have never done anything wrong and you've not even wanted to do anything wrong, you pick up a stone because you have a right to be the very first one in the line to take a stone and throw at this woman. You have the, very first, you have the right to be the first one. Now, this is a significant statement. It's a significant statement about judging others. And Jesus is going after something that's really, really really important. These judgmental guys have the same problem that I have in my life. Some of you might have the same problems, but I know I do. It's so, it's so easy for me to see others, the sin in others, and overlook my own sin. You get me in a tight spot and, you know, you say, buddy, you're a sinner and I'm going to find one that you've sinned too. I'm going to find something that you've sinned to take the focus off of me. You know what I'm saying? I don't think y'all do. Y'all are, are better people than I am. Have you ever done that? You ever, you ever point out the sin of someone else and overlook your own sin? You see, because Jesus, because Jesus upheld the legal penalty for adultery, 
uh, stoning, he could not be accused of being against the law. But by saying that only a sin, sinless person could throw the first stone, he highlighted the importance of compassion and forgiveness. Now, when others are caught in sin, we're quick to judge. At least I am. But it's God's job to judge, not ours. Our role is to show compassion and forgiveness. Now, Jesus is totally serious in verse 8, and he says, again, he stooped down, and he wrote on the ground. Verse 9 says, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Now, Jesus was saying, in effect, why don't you guys get yourself organized? He's talking to the religious leaders. Why don't you get yourself organized? One way would be that you guys could line up uh, to throw, putting the sinless, sinless ones at the front of the lines and let them line and let them throw first. But starting with the oldest, they dropped their stones, the Bible says, and they went away. So Jesus was left there all alone with a simple lady caught in adultery. And it says in verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Do you see the grace here? Do you see the love of God in that passage of Scripture? Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Here stands a lady that was broken and shamed in the darkest moment of her life, and she needed a second chance, and she says to Jesus, No one, sir. No one, sir. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, sir. You see, then Jesus looked at, it, at this broken woman, and I believe he spoke the most love, loving, grace-filled words found anywhere in the Bible. I mean, if you believe in the love and grace of Jesus, this is the most grace-filled scripture in the Bible, and it says, then neither do I condemn you. Then neither do I condemn you. With these words, Jesus gave her a second chance in life. And I dare say anyone had ever given this woman, ever in her whole life, had ever given her a second chance. And i got to believe that somebody walked in here today or somebody's watching online and you need a second chance. I mean, you're, you're, you're living in darkness and shame over what you did. I mean, you, you've been carrying it around all your life, this bad decision, this mistake you made, this bad judgment that you used, and you really screwed up. Pardon my language. And you've been carrying it around all your life. And Jesus says to you, there is no condemnation. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. The only condemnation you are experiencing is the condemnation that you are placing on yourself. You are not what you did. You are not what they say you are. You are only who God says you are. And because of his grace, if you are in, if you are in Christ, there is no condemnation. Now, each of us have an, has an accuser, every one of us. If you're a believer, you have an accuser, and his name is Satan, and Satan is going to throw some accusations your way. He probably has already thrown some accusations your way this morning as I've been talking about this message, as I've read this story to you. Have you heard this one? After what you did, God could never love you. 
After what you did, God could never love you. Or maybe you've heard this one. After how bad you messed up, God would never and can never forgive you. You messed up too bad. I know someone's heard this one. After all you've done in your past, God will never use you to make a difference in this world. And I bet some men have heard this one. After what you did, you'll never have a good marriage. You blew it big time. It's over for you. She will never give you a second chance. And by the way, your kids, they will never respect you again either. They need to hear me on this one. That is the voice of the accuser. That is the voice of the accuser, not the voice of Jesus. You see, the voice of Jesus will never, will never, 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 never condemn you and cut you down and tell you that you're worthless, that there's no hope for you. That is not the words of God. That is the words of Satan. The words of Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Neither do I condemn you. Gosh, that's good stuff. You guys all be cheering. If this was a Super Bowl, you would be up cheering. I wish I had some confetti. Where are your accusers? What do you think? Here, what do you think here? Was the lady in our story guilty? Was she? Somebody answer me. Yes, yes she was guilty. Did she deserve punishment? Yes. yes, she did. She broke the law. But because of his love, grace was revealed. Because of her love. She deserved it, but he didn't give it to her. Here's what I know about me. I'm guilty. I'm a sinner. I am a dirty, rotten sinner. And you're guilty too. We're all sinners. Don't ever forget that. Because I got to tell you, as soon as we forget that, you and I will start acting like the guy in the story. The guys in the story. We'll be looking for the sin in others. And we'll be judgmental. And we'll be unwilling to forgive and show compassion. As soon as we forget that we're sinners, and you'll forget and we'll forget that we need a Savior. And we'll take for granted what Jesus did for us on the cross. When we stop and we don't realize that we too are all guilty and we're all sinners. The law reveals our grace. But God reveals, our, the law reveals our guilt. But God's love reveals his grace. Jesus looks at this broken woman standing in front of him who feels shamed by every person in town, and she says, where are they now? Neither do I condemn you. Then he looks at her and he says, don't do it again. Don't do it again. Look at verse 11. Go now, go now, right now, go now, and leave your life of sin. Go now. In other words, believers, go now and leave your life of sin. He's saying, You've been forgiven, I don't condemn you, but go now. He's not saying to her, it's okay what you did. You understand? He's not saying it's okay. He, he's not saying, hey, I know you're hurting. He's not saying, I know you've never felt loved. I, I know you, your dad abused you when you were a child and, and men have taken advantage of you all your life. I know you can't help yourself. No, he didn't say it was okay. He said, go now, not later. 
He's saying, go now and leave your life of sin. Not after you've been baptized, not after you've gotten counseling. He said, go now. You can be free. You've been given a second chance, so you don't have to live in darkness any longer. You don't have to continue to live in darkness any longer. Do you understand? You no longer have to live in darkness. Go now. And for that matter, that same Jesus that spoke to her then is saying to you today, go now. I'm giving you a second chance. You're free. You no longer have to live in the dark world that you're living in. You no longer have to live in the dark world of drugs and alcohol. You don't have to live in the dark world of pornography. You no longer have to live in the dark world of adultery. You can be free. You no longer have to live in the world of self-hatred or the dark world of condemnation or the dark world of gossip. Go now. I'm giving you a second chance. Go now. You can walk out of your dark world. You can walk out of your dark world of lying and cheating and stealing, and you can walk into the loving arms of God's grace. You can walk out of the dark world of shame you've been living in, and you can walk in the light of Jesus. The last week we learned that Jesus was the resurrection. Not an event, but a person. He, is, he was the resurrection. Today you need to understand that Jesus is the light. He is the light. And when the light walks in the room, darkness flees because light overtakes darkness. And the light reveals our hope. You see, in verse 12, the Bible says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am, I am the light of the world, capital L, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness again. Why? Because they will have the light of life. Craig Crochelle says, when Jesus looked at her, he said, neither do I condemn you. At that moment, he was no longer the light of the world. He said, he actually became the light of her world. Isn't that awesome? He no longer was the light of the world. He was the light of her life, of her world. But here is the really, 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 really good news. He wants to be the light of your life. When you believe that and you make Jesus your personal God, he's no longer just the light of the world, but he comes to, becomes the light of your world. And for me, that changes everything because i got to tell you that darkness will never, never, never defeat light. You can make this place as dark as you want to make it, and you can light a candle, and you will not be in darkness. There's No matter how dark it is, darkness will never, ever, ever overcome light. So in closing, let me say this. No matter how dark your world seems right now, God wants to give you a second chance. And his light can light up your darkness. His grace can forgive your sins. And his presence can bring healing to your shame. And you are never, you never, never have to be the same again. When the light of the world becomes the light of your world and you follow him, you never have to walk in darkness again. The Bible says in John 12, Jesus said, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that, so that all who put their trust in me will no longer wander in darkness. Gosh, our God is a good God.
Our God is a good God. And our God loves us. And we matter to Him. And our God is crazy about us. And He's no longer mad at us. He's madly in love with us. And He is the light of the world. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful today for your presence here. We're grateful, Lord, for those who have come today and have been a part of Salem Fields Community Church. And Lord, I pray for every person that's in this room today, those that are watching online, those who are in the cafe or otherwise. Lord, I pray that we would understand today that you are the light of our world, our world, our personal world. Father, I pray today for every person in here and in the, on the online. Lord, I pray for those that are here today that walked in filled with shame. Who've walked in and they've carried, they've carried guilt and shame all their life. They've been forgiven. But yet, Lord, somehow we still believe that somehow we have to pay the price when you've already paid the price when you hung on the cross. Father, I pray for those today that are still nailing themselves to a cross and still living in the pain and the darkness of shame and guilt. They've never realized that you've given them a second chance. And so, Lord, I pray that right now they would go now. They would go right now and walk out of this darkness and shame. And, God, that they would live understanding that you are the light of their world and you have forgiven them and you're not condemning them. God, may they let themselves off the hook today. No longer living in self-hatred and condemnation, but living in freedom, living in forgiveness, and living in the presence of the light of the world. Father, I pray today for those that are here and Maybe they've never made you their personal God. They've never accepted that you are the light of the world and that you died for them. So if that's you this morning, if that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer with me if you'd like to know Jesus. And make God your personal God. Make him the light of your world. Pray this prayer with me if you would. You can pray it out loud, but you don't necessarily have to. You can pray it in your under your breath and your heart, pray it sincerely. Jesus, I believe, just pray that. Jesus, I believe you are the light of the world. And today, Lord, I want to make you the light of my world. Father, today, Jesus, today I confess that I am a sinner. I'm guilty. I'm a lawbreaker. And I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? <laughs> I just got an image of Jesus there. I just got an image of him saying, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us all of our sins. Gosh, what an awesome God. I can just see him saying, buddy, Neither do I condemn you. Mm, that's good stuff. 
So just thank him now. Sorry I got off track. Just thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for being the light of my world. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for being my Savior. Now, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, no one looking around just for a moment, and you would say, Buddy, I prayed that prayer with you, and I believe that Jesus is the light of my world and that he's forgiven me. And you just need to, you just need to make witness to that. To say to me, and, and Gay, she's up here, that you're just saying, you know what, I prayed that prayer sincerely, and I believe that Jesus has forgiven me. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand? Anybody like that today? Gracious, all over the congregation. Oh, gosh. Jesus is saying to you, neither do I condemn you. Condemn you. Go now. Go now and don't live in that dark world of shame and guilt any longer. Go now. Father, thank you. Thank you for your work here today, Lord. Is there anyone else today that say, yep, I prayed that prayer and you didn't raise your hand. you just like an opportunity to raise your hand. Anybody else? Yes, sir. I see your hand. God bless you. Yes, and over here in the back, I see your hand. God bless you. God sees your hand. That's what's important. This is good stuff. Maybe you're here today and you know what? You're a believer. Man, but you're just like, you're just like living in the past of all the shame and guilt. Would you just let that go today? Would you just let it go? We're going to stand now if we could and worship. Let's just worship and praise God. Thank Him. But you know what? You can always, you don't even have to be invited. Anytime you feel like you want to come up front here and pray, because this is an awesome place to pray. If you just want to slip up here and pray, go back to your seat anytime in the service here at Salem Fields, it's just a great place for you to come. You don't have to pray there. You can pray right in your seat. But if you'd like to come while we're worshiping God, you can come. But praise God for his presence here today as we worship together. God bless you. If you are a new Christian and would like to know what to do next or where to go from here, you will want to get a free Next Step packet that contains reading materials and useful resources that will point you in the right direction. For more information, please contact Salem Fields Community Church at 540-786-6212 or visit our website at salemfields.com or email us at podcast at salemfields.com.